Hubhopper Originals. Hello and welcome back to Heart in My Sleeve. This is Mancha Kaur and you're listening to me on Hubhopper. This week we have Carol Singh on the podcast. She's the co-founder of Antidote and Vitality Hours. Antidote started in 2014 as India's first functional and plant-based drinks brand. It has since established itself as a market leader and a crowd favorite. When Antidote first started out, the know-how around wellness was fairly limited. Wellness was looked at as an indulgence rather than a necessity to keep the cogs of one's body well-oiled and running. Through Vitality Hours, Carol and her sister sought to educate their consumers about the importance of mindful eating, nutrition, and looking after themselves. There's a lot to learn from Carol and her personal health struggle, the very many benefits that she's reaped through juicing and blending, and how she keeps herself in such great shape by simply being in tune with her body and its requirements. So without wasting any more time, here's Carol. How has the lockdown treated you so far? Well, not too bad. I mean, I'm kind of a little sick of it by now, but it hasn't been too crazy. Yeah. Has it affected your work in any way? Yeah, absolutely. We've actually uh, shut down operations uh, for Antidote. We've taken a six-month break during COVID because you know it's. we produce like rock 100% raw and fresh stuff yeah. so you know to liability of something like that is extremely like hard and with the kind of protocols and supply chain in india you can't be 100% foolproof so we've actually uh, put put the operation on hold until september okay what was your transition like what's your journey into wellness been and like how and why did you start Yeah, and it's something that started with a very personal journey where I had like an autoimmune condition, and I was able to fix that with uh, vegetable juicing, which is when I started really believing in it. Like my mom is a nutritionist, so we've always grown up with that kind of mindset at home. But I think that's the time when I started really taking it very seriously myself. Before that, it was just something that we did at home, and it was very different from. you know like my mindset or any of that so yeah and since then it's been about what 8 years just been going deeper and deeper into this space so antidote is essentially a functional beverage brand and it only focuses predominantly on the body and nutritional aspect and stuff like that but over time what we realized was and when we started about out about 8 years ago there really wasn't that much exposure or awareness on what health what a healthy product was or what health and wellness really meant so our job was a lot also about educating the consumer uh and we came across so many amazing experts that had all this you know wealth of information but some of wasn't being passed down to the consumer or the people who actually needed it in fact there was a lot of misinformation and you know all kinds of random kind of stuff out there and i don't think that the consumer was truly empowered with this information of what 
uh, wellness or well-being really is. So we started our Vitality Hours in 2017, just for antidote consumers. Our first event was just for antidote consumers at Lodi Garden. And that was essentially, uh, you know, we brought together like a bunch of different wellness experts. Like there was Vesna Jacob, there was Lovni, there was a bunch of other people. And it was like a congregation of, you know, of information that we shared. And it was a big hit. So we, in 2018, we actually did a full-fledged festival and then we've done about eight, eight real-time ones and like multiple online ones now since COVID. Along those lines, for you, what does wellness mean? And what does healthy living look like? How do you define it? Healthy living. I think for everyone, it's very different and very relative. But I think what healthy living essentially means is that you're feeding yourself good food, real food. So anything that's local, that's seasonal, that your body's intelligence or, you know, you feel good about eating. I don't think it's always to do with things like calories, carbs, protein. You read a label and you're going to eat food according to that, then... I don't think that that's going to do you much good. So I think it's really about your emotions, how they make you feel when you eat that food and also, you know, about mindful eating. And then obviously, you know, getting enough breath work and some amount of uh, movement in the day, everyday rituals that, you know, everyone has their own rituals, be it something that you drink or do every morning or every evening, whether it's journaling, whether it's some kind of general mindfulness practice, if it's something like an oil pulling or it's some kind of massage or whatever it is that makes makes you feel good. So anything I feel like that keeps you in a state of balance is what I would say in my mind is, is, is wellness or well-being. And what has worked for you personally? What does balance look like? So usually, I mean, I'm not a very early riser, so I always struggle with that. But I wake up around between 8.30 and 9. And then I usually have a flax water. That's what I have usually every day. Then I have like a green juice um, and I cycle it out. So different greens, sometimes it's celery, sometimes it's karela, sometimes it's wheatgrass or whatever you know, I feel like having at the moment. So first half of the day is essentially just a ton of liquid. I'll have a coconut water with some chia seeds. So I I don't eat anything till about um, 12, till about noon. I I don't really uh, do a breakfast because, um, and then I, because I don't really work out in the morning per se. I just do like a Kriya yoga. So I do Kundalini yoga in the morning, which is anywhere roughly for 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and then I only eat after that, which is about 12. I do my like proper workout in the evening at about six for an hour, which is anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes. And it's usually, again, uh, like a, a, a yoga sequence or some sort of Pilates or boxing. Uh, for me, I need to work out every day. Like I need to do something every day, even if it's, I mean, there might be days where I don't, I keep it very low intensity. So I'll do a yin yoga class, which is just stretching essentially, or I'll take a walk, you know, at, at a steady pace, but I need to move every day for my mind to function properly. And for me to feel like, I feel like it's an outlet of stress for me. So I think for a lot of different people, it works differently, but I think once you get kind of, um, in the routine, it becomes so addictive to be able to move every day. Because in the, in the city, we don't end up doing that. Uh, you know, so if I'm on a holiday or something like that, I don't bother with it because you're walking around, moving around so much. But at, uh, you know, at work or at home, you're essentially stationary and quite sedentary. So I need to get 
at least an hour in of some sort of exercise every day. And I don't really even take it as someday that I don't feel like doing it. My body doesn't feel like doing it. I'm unable to do it. I, I just skip it. But um, I don't really have a set regimen. I'm very intuitive with, with my workout. So just whatever I feel like doing after day is, is what I do. But I do end up uh, doing like a high intensity, something like Muay Thai boxing or sprints or something like that about twice a week. And then uh, medium something like, you know, vinyasa flow class or Pilates about twice a week. And the remaining two times a week is something that's very mellow. Were you always into movement and exercising even when you were like in school or college? No, absolutely not. In school, I was the laziest person uh, in the sense that I was not into sports. So I think my interest was only kindled right after school when I discovered Muay Thai. It was essentially because of a wonderful uh, trainer that I had uh, discovered and he was a Dutch man and, and that's when I sort of really got into it and then I just got hooked. I mean, since then, I don't think there's been any, I mean, there could have been like days that I haven't worked out, but there's never been months that I haven't worked out. It just doesn't work for me because I realized that it helps with my mental state so much that um, I can't really do without it. So then do you think, because I know that a lot of people, I mean, including me sometimes, like once I get into the flow of things, I am hooked. But if there is a break of even a week, I end up not working out for two months thereafter. So would you then say that focusing on the other benefits, like more than just the physical benefits, has helped you stick to it for longer than most? Absolutely, because I believe it or not, I never weigh myself. Uh, if anyone asks me what my weight is, I frankly have no idea. I don't check my inches. I, I, I don't bother with any of that. Um, I just know when I'm feeling good in my body, I can feel it and I can see it in the clothes I wear and I can see it visually. Uh, but I rarely check on a scale. And my aim or my motive for working out is not necessarily about how my body is going to look physically from that workout. It's more about how it makes me feel. And it makes me feel a lot more confident about myself. It makes me feel more sort of at ease with my body. And I feel relaxed and I feel more energetic. So I think for all those reasons, I work out. And because I never really look at the result aspect of it, it becomes like an everyday thing, not just a goal. So then it, I think it becomes short-sighted when you look at it just as a goal. That's something that I've really started to realize as well, because for me, I think that intuitive eating or exercise or movement, all of that happens when you focus on how it's making you feel and you're really, if you're not chasing after like a short term goal, so whether that's got to do with exercising or even with eating. Right, because I think that's a big one. A lot of us, we will follow a certain pattern of eating or the diet, and then you are consistently weighing yourself every single day, trying to find some results from that. And if you actually focus on what's in front of you, how it's making you feel, chances are you're actually going to get to that result more seamlessly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's about the process. So like with anything else, right? Same, I apply the very same principle to what I eat in the sense I never count my calories. I don't know 
how many calories are in what I'm eating. I don't bother with it. Because here's the thing, when you eat, for example, a mango, it's not like you're eating just the vitamin A in the mango or just the fiber or just the potassium content. It's, it's, it's a whole sort of the combination of various different vitamins and trace minerals and phytonutrients and different kinds of categories of food. And your body is used to assimilating it in that manner. If I'm going to start just looking at, oh, I need my calcium from milk and I need my potassium from, so I need to have a banana and now I need to get my enough carbs, you know, I need to get enough protein in. I think it just all becomes really taxing and you don't actually end up just eating in a happy, balanced manner because you're always just so caught up with, you know, the number. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be mindful of some, you know, if I feel like, okay, these days I'm feeling a bit bloated and I'm feeling or I'm feeling heavier than usual, then maybe I'd look at my fat content and my carb content and what exactly I'm eating and how I'm eating. And maybe I'd bring that into my awareness so that automatically I start changing certain things around. So I do make conscious decisions, but it's never on an everyday basis. I'm not going to sit and, you know, prep my meal every single day in such a fashion that I get, I get all the numbers right. It's more about like, you said intuitive eating and mindful eating certain practices I think everyone should follow when they're eating like not watching television not being on the phone you know just not multitasking just really focusing on eating a you end up eating lesser b whatever you eat you kind of absorb it better because you're chewing better you're you know you're focusing on it you know where your attention goes your energy flows so I think it's really about that and of course I mean healthy eating is also so relative and it's so uh, sort of there's no standardization on it. Of course, we try to find hacks and tricks that work for everybody, but different things work for different people, including timings, uh, you know, in uh, the meal sizes, uh, food combinations. So um, I think it's really about connecting with your inner intelligence, whatever your body is feeling good with. And um, also maybe cycling out certain things, you know, um, certain things that you feel that are working out for you to start having them regularly and see how you do on them and things that you feel are like not working out or you don't feel good after eating them, even though they could be trendy or superfoods, you may not feel good on them. And then you can, you know, try to eliminate them and see how that works for your energy levels and, you know, all of that. Given all of this, are there any food rules that you have, like any things that you stay away from? And also anything that you've cut out entirely? Um, so I actually don't eat gluten mostly because my mother, she's celiac, which means she has a pretty intense wheat allergy and I have a propensity to it as well. So while I don't have a gluten intolerance right now, I just don't do very well on it. Like I know that because my body feels bloated. Sometimes I get, you know, rashes and stuff. So I don't really eat gluten. I do eat it from time to time. I don't want my body to develop an intolerance. If I completely cut it out, I feel like my body will react very badly when I do eat it. Gluten is one thing that I I don't usually eat on, on a daily basis at all. Dairy is something that I used to consume a lot of. Now I consume very little of it. I don't really eat cheese and a lot of fermented food because it doesn't work too well for me. I think it's less about what you don't eat and it's more about how you eat it and what you do eat as well and when you eat it. So I mean, if there are times when, you know, if I want to go ahead and I want to eat a pizza, I'll eat it if I really want to. I'm just not going to make a habit of it. Yeah. No, that's really interesting because it's, 
again, I think focusing on what you said, where you basically put your energy on, that's where your attention goes as well. I think if you constantly focus on the things that you don't want to eat, <laughs> chances are you're going to be more tempted to eat them. You grew up with a mom who is a nutritionist, but where do you think one can start to figure out what works for you and what doesn't? Because, you know, we live in such fast-paced times that we don't even know what it means for something to not suit you or something to not work for you. You're, you're just that out of touch with your body. Yeah, absolutely. So A, I think it's a journey. I don't think it happens overnight uh, with anybody. Um, so I think once you have an interest towards this, once you want to start feeling or eating better, uh, I think the first thing would probably be to start you know, reading information about it. So be it online or through books or through other people, guides that you might have. You might have a friend who's, who's into it, you know, sharing information because that's one of the best ways for you to uh, kind of empower yourself with that knowledge. Then start applying that. So a lot of times, certain things may work for someone else and they may not work for you. So you need to apply it on yourself to really see if it's something that's, you know, worth worth the hype i'll give you an example for example apple cider vinegar right like there's so much talk about it and uh, you know an average person say i i don't really know much about this but i'm like hey i want to lose weight and the first thing i google and i see apple cider vinegar first thing in the morning right i go ahead and i try it out uh chances are it doesn't work for a lot of people because, uh, you know, if, if you do have acidity or you do have uh, a leaky gut syndrome or you do have a weak gut, which could be one of the, you know, very prime reasons for you putting on weight without actually eating that much, it's not really going to work for you. It's going to make you feel very uncomfortable. Having said that, it does work for a lot of other people. So um, I think uh, first just trying to amass as much information and knowledge on it and then actually practically applying it to see if it works or it doesn't work and listen to your body. So if your body is reacting or you are feeling not so great after doing it, uh, chances are it's not really working out. Uh, the only contraindication in, with this is the fact that if you don't like it just for its taste or flavors. So a lot of healthy things like say, for example, having green juice in the morning or having wheatgrass juice or, or you know, eating a knob of ginger before a meal, they may not be the yummiest, most delicious things, but when you do it, your body feels good. So you shouldn't confuse your mind. Like you shouldn't confuse the fact that it didn't taste very good to how it felt. Most people end up doing that. They're like, oh my God, this tastes so bad. And they're like, oh, this is not going to do anything good for me. Whereas they, uh, I think it's not really about the flavor. It's about how your body feels after it. And if it's feeling uncomfortable, like you're feeling nauseous or you're feeling uh, you know, uh, un uneasy, then perhaps it's not for you, but not on the basis of the flavor per se. I completely agree. But coming to diets, personally, what is your take on dieting in the past? What has your experience been? And obviously the last couple of years, keto, intermittent fasting, veganism, these have been some of the mainstays. Have you tried any of these? What has your experience been? Um, so I've actually tried all of them. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm actually the kind of person who loves trying out new 
fitness or diet trends, you know, I just want to try it out. I'm not going to do it long term if it doesn't work because I don't think any of these diets work long term. They're usually created for a specific purpose. And I think we, if we take them out of context, then they're not going to work, which is why diets get a bad name. And also some of them are, are ridiculous. But some of the more effective diets that have a lot of scientific evidence behind them also have a context in which you're supposed to follow them. So, you know, for example, the keto diet was actually made for certain ailments and for certain inflammatory conditions for certain people suffering from obesity. And it's supposed to be done in a short term format or in a cyclical format. So it's not supposed to be practiced as a long term thing. So after a period of time, when people start losing weight, over a period of time, they also start losing their hair or certain other aspects like their health starts deteriorating um so i think with with anything with like with everything in life there's a balance and there's a context to how you're applying that to yourself i've tried all of them some of them worked for me some of them didn't um for me keto didn't work paleo didn't really work (laughs) um veganism also doesn't work for me i i've tried being vegetarian uh, for for a year and a half, and not for ethical reasons. I'm speaking more from the perspective of just nutritionally speaking. Yes, of course, you can get all your you know your nutrition from plant based foods, uh, but it's a lot harder, and you have to be a lot more committed to it. So uh, you know you have to be very mindful of your vitamin B12 intake, where you're getting it from, your protein sources, your uh, calcium sources, your zinc sources, your magnesium sources various other trace minerals. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of people develop deficiencies when they go vegan because you, you know, they're not putting all of that thought behind their food. And initially, before you get the hang of it, you do need to spend a fair amount of time to understand how you're going to replace all these things. So eliminating something from your diet, you need to replace it with something, right? And I think most people forget to do that. They eliminate meat or they eliminate dairy or they eliminate certain other food groups. Then the replacement process is also equally important. And we forget that. And also for certain things, there is no replacement. Um, You know, for something like ghee, uh, there really is no replacement, no plant-based replacement, direct replacement. Yes, there's coconut oil, but it has a very different set of uh, nutrients attached to it so I think it then it comes down to just a personal choice and you and you find the best ways around that diet so if you feel like you want to turn vegan for ethical reasons um, or for the sustainability of the planet or various other you know personal choices um, I just think that you need to be a lot more mindful of where you're getting all yeah. your base minerals and nutrients from so you need to then focus on food a lot more than perhaps you would have generally yeah that makes perfect sense I think with me I actually developed a little bit of a protein deficiency going vegan so now I'm back to being vegetarian so just because of that and I'm now paying more attention to all of these different nutrients and micronutrients but that being said how do you ensure that you have sufficient nutrients and micronutrients in whatever you're having I think for the average person you know you have what you have or you have what you've grown up having but yeah a lot of deficiencies that cause different things and you don't even know that that's the reason why unless you go to somebody who's actually good at what they do because you can go to a lot of nutritionists and dietitians and 
so many people, but still their aim could be different, where they're coming from could be different. So how do you ensure that? Um, so personally, I believe a lot, at least in urban modern living, a lot in superfoods. And yes, a lot of people say that this is just, you know, one of those words that's been used and abused a lot because a superfood is anything which has dense nutrition. So for example, an avla versus a lemon. An avla has almost 30 times the amount of vitamin C as a lemon. So lemon is very healthy and amla is not a replacement to lemon. But if I really want to flood my body with vitamin C, say I'm having or I feel like I'm at the onset of a flu or it's during season change and amla is in season, I will have a shot of that every single morning. And I will also have the lemon in various other aspects. But the thing is that if I really want see in, in modern day living, you don't really have the liberty to eat various things through the day Uh, you have less time a lot of people are living by themselves you know cooking for themselves and a lot of meals are on the go so in that scenario um, you know what what are you going to do you have to find quick fixes or easier more convenient fixes and um, I don't I've done that I've tried that for a very long period in time I spent almost a fortune on all kinds of uh, you know really fancy supplements um, and they never really worked. So I think the one thing that did work was actually real food, like superfoods that work for me. Things like moringa powder, I have wheatgrass. Wheatgrass actually healed me of my autoimmune condition. So I'm a big fan of that. Uh, wheatgrass in, in trace amounts, something like a mushroom extract or different herbs as well. So dandelion root or ashwagandha. I would say that certain kinds of herbs and superfoods can really help you get all the micronutrients and trace minerals that you might be, you know, missing in your diet. I would favor that over, you know, a lot of like fancy supplements because I don't think that those are very bioavailable for the body. So you keep having them and it's placebo effect, but I don't really think your body synthesizes them and makes use of them the way it does through actual food. So for those of us who are new to juicing and blending, uh, walk us through that. And then you can tell us how ideally one should incorporate the shots, juices and milks over at Antidote into their day or week. Yeah. So juicing and blending actually serve two very different purposes, even though people kind of use them as a replaceable term. So when we look at juicing, Uh, Why exactly do we juice? And I am mostly referring to juicing vegetables and greens, fruits as well, but in tandem with vegetables and uh, greens. And that's because fruit only juices will spike your sugar levels. Um, And if you add in the fruits and the veggies, then they don't spike sugar levels because that brings down the sugar levels considerably. And they can be very healing for the body. What the juices essentially do is that they help you kind of give your digestive system a break. Juicing was essentially or healing modalities of juices. So juices for for healing was something that was uh, introduced by this man called Norman Walker uh, early in the 1900s. And he came up with this, what we, what we, what is now known as a cold pressed juicer, uh, wherein which the blades don't heat up very much. It, it's actually like a pulp and then you kind of press it. So there's no contact with heat or air. So like minerals can remain even at certain higher temperatures, but vitamins are very sensitive to temperature. So the moment they're heated, 
a lot of the food loses its nutritional value. So when we spoke of juicing, it was essentially so that it doesn't lose its nutritional value and you're able to assimilate it easily. And if a person is sick or unwell and their digestive system isn't working at its best, then the juices are very easily assimilated in the body and you're getting enough nutritional um, uh, nutritional boost through the juices without actually having to eat food. So this was a concept also for, say, doing a detox. A detox is essentially fasting for health, right? Um, there's been many studies in, in Germany to show how fasting can actually change the gut microbiome and, uh, you know, lead to, an, to anti-aging and various other bene- health benefits, right? So um, when we speak of juicing, it's in order to to aid that function of the body, aid detoxification, so that your body can actually be in a fasted state and you're still getting enough nutrients, minerals from the juices so your body doesn't go into deficient mode. So that's essentially the purpose of a juice. So when I'm having a juice, ideally you need to have it first thing in the morning or first half in the morning or towards the evening, basically away from meals on an empty stomach, ideally, because juices are assimilated within 15 minutes in the body, right? anywhere between 15 to maximum 25, 30 minutes. They don't require the same amount of digestive work that a meal would require. So you can have it before a meal or wait about at least two and a half to three hours after a meal. One thing that I feel like a lot of people do wrong is that they drink juice with meals. Even if it's just orange juice, it's really not the best idea because it does interfere with your digestive uh, process. Blending, the purpose for it is different. So when you're blending is essentially more from the purpose of convenience, right? And in order to get all your fats in. So I can make myself, it's almost like a meal replacement. When, when I have a smoothie, I don't really, I can skip a breakfast or I can reduce my, you know, breakfast meal. So it works more as a meal replacement sort of thing. So I, I make sure that I have enough healthy fats in there. I have enough healthy foods in the smoothie. But in that sense, in a smoothie, so when the blenders heat, heat up, they do kill some of the vitamins that are there in the in the vegetables or the fruits or the greens. So you do get a lot of fiber. So with juice, you don't get as much fiber, which is why a lot of people are like, oh my God, you know, juices are not good for you because they don't have enough fiber. But they forget that actually the purpose of the juice is not the fiber. The purpose of the juice is actually to eliminate the fibers so that your your body is able to absorb it very easily. So it can be given to someone who's unwell, you know, someone whose gut lining or digestive process is not functioning as well. Whereas a smoothie is quite the opposite. It's much harder to actually digest. You do need a significant amount digestive fire or agni what they call in order to assimilate a good smoothie so you need to get enough good fats and you'll have some nuts you'll have some seeds you'll have some fruit you'll have some vegetable or green you can put any kind of herbs or anything else spices that you want into it but it requires its own time to digest so they serve two very different purposes i feel like uh i think that one of the things to understand whether you're juicing or blending is to understand the right food combinations because that's very important from time to time i see completely bizarre food combinations where someone is mixing like watermelon with yogurt and banana like i mean from an ayurvedic perspective and i've i've studied ayurveda but also 
you know, generally, uh, watermelon and banana are two fruits that just don't go together. Watermelon is very high on its water content and various other aspects. And banana is great, but banana and watermelon are completely like no-nos. And plus yogurt, yogurt and, and watermelon don't go well at all. I think when people uh, start their juicing and blending journey, rather than just finding every anything that's left over or whatever and just dumping it all and having it and think you're being very healthy, I think like you would do with anything else before you take on a workout or anything like that, what do you do? You either read up on it, right? You either talk to your friends and family who are already doing it or you get a guide. So I think that you have to do one of the three. You have to understand a little bit more about food combinations because if you don't, then you're just going to end up doing yourself a disservice. So while you feel like you're being super healthy and every morning you're replacing something, uh, you know, like a, maybe an unhealthy breakfast with this smoothie and you feel like, oh, wow, I'm doing myself a yeah. great favor. It could actually be, you know, quite the opposite. I would say that in general, stone fruits and citrus fruits go well together, but a ripe fruit, like a mango, for example, doesn't do well with like a root vegetable. So like mango and carrot, you wouldn't really do them together. You do a carrot and a citrus mm. or carrot, apple. Apple is a stone fruit. So um, in Ayurveda, you have, these, you have these different gunas in every food. So if a fruit is really ripe, that means the digestive process of that is, very, is fairly quick. And the more sour it is, means the digestive juices in the process for that is a little different. It's a little longer. So mixing different kinds of foods with different kind of sort of um, mixing fruits together that don't have the same kind of digestive time involved can make your gut lining, I mean, your digestive process and your gut be more inflamed than actually healing it. You wouldn't do a banana and a carrot together, ideally. So cooking is very different. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like raw foods. Yeah. You do a beetroot and an apple, you can do beetroot and pear, you can do beetroot and orange, you can do beetroot and lemon, but you wouldn't do a beetroot and mango, like a very ripe fruit, like a mango or a banana or like a chiku, for example. Yeah. How should one ideally incorporate juices or the shots at Antidote into their day? Um, so what we do at Antidote is more of like, we focus on a detox. So we have different programs and cleanses that involve anywhere between four to seven drinks that you're supposed to have you know at different intervals in the day and the idea really is to promote detoxification in the body so it's anywhere from three days up to seven ten twenty one days so different programs but we have one which is a liquid until dinner which means that you're only on you're only fasting on liquids until dinner and that's the one meal that you have in the evening and uh, the other one is uh, with meals so you have light meals through the day and you supplement them with certain juices and all our juices are essentially blends of fruits vegetables greens and certain superfoods and herbs that we use in it okay during this lockdown you know a lot of people have had like your lockdown learnings so have you had any as far as your nutrition or lifestyle is concerned um i think i did realize how little time i was spending outdoors so, uh, you know, during this time, I think I've spent a lot more time outdoors, regardless of the weather, you know, I've spent time in the garden and I've tried to take walks outdoors. And as, so spending more time outdoors. And another thing that I have 
introduced into my routine is is a practice called kundalini yoga which is kind of like a kriya yoga plus meditation and that's been very helpful so before this i didn't really have a meditative practice that i would do every single day i do spend a lot of time with myself and i reflect and i journal very often but i never had a meditation practice so to speak of so um but i've been doing it literally every single day since april and i'd say that that's really kind of helped me keep my uh, equilibrium during this time um what are a few of the self care rituals that you follow that help you look after yourself and nourish both your mind and body and also do you cycle these or do they kind of stay constant so i i'm big into cycling a lot of things out because i feel like i feel like your mental state your lifestyle and so many different things like they keep changing right and i feel like you need different things at different points in your life uh especially so with women i find that you know even in my monthly cycle i find that there are different kind of practices that benefit me at different times so i'm also in terms of even with my food and things like that um i like to cycle things out like i said i'd be having wheat grass juice for two months and then i'll change that with something else yeah. um I think one of the things that I've been doing in terms of like certain rituals and things so I used to do a lot of pada bhyanga which is like a foot massage before I go to sleep every evening and that was supposed to release the heat from my body because I had a lot of heat uh, in the gut um and that helped me a lot I did that for about 3 months but now I've stopped doing it because I felt like I felt like I could go back to it and I, I don't think that my body was that heated up I didn't feel that uncomfortable so I uh, let go of it and i'm now doing which i have been doing for a while off and on uh oil pulling for about 15 to 20 minutes every morning so there's this big debate on which oil is better but um in ayurveda sesame is the oil that goes to the tissue level so that's the most absorbent oil uh and they usually recommend sesame unless there's a contraindication like unless you have very high pitta very high heat in the body then you have co- use coconut but ideally for most people sesame is is the best one in terms of other rituals that i practice i i journal every evening most evenings i think it's 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 mostly that at the moment and like i said it keeps cycling i keep changing it around and doing different things at different times okay awesome let's wrap up with the rapid fire Who's the one woman that you admire and why? Um the one woman that I admire um currently I would say uh, Gwyneth Paltrow just because of all the work that she's done in the space and she was scoffed at and laughed uh, and almost ridiculed for a, a good many years before this whole wellness space took off and I think it took a huge amount of courage for someone who had already seen so much success and admiration in life to do something that was at that time uh, off an off beaten path so yes i'd say at the moment i'd i'd, I'd say gwyneth paltrow what's the best piece of advice you've received so far um best piece of advice <laughs> i think the best piece of advice was from my dad when he said that 
this is your time. Like your youth is never going to come back and make all the mistakes you want and try everything that you want to do and uh, don't have regrets. Cause this is one time you can action, just action, 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 do whatever you want to do. And uh, you'll find it. You'll find, you'll find your mojo. You'll find your flow at some point, but go ahead and do it. What's your favorite antidote drink? My favorite antidote drink is, uh, I have two of them actually. <laughs> One is the original almond milk, which is uh, an almond milk with coconut uh, coconut nectar in it. So it has this really nice malty flavor. Uh, I love that one. And my second one is uh, the polisher, which is a pineapple, a pear, ashwagandha, cinnamon, green tea based juice. Uh, yeah, those two would be my favorite. What's the one thing that you've learned the hard way? The one thing I learned the hard way was um, being uh, flexible. So I was very rigid and I always used to say, I'm never going to do this and I'm never going to do that. And I use the word never so often. And at one point I eventually ended up doing everything that I said I'm never going to do. So now I never say never. (laughs) Okay. The last one is what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is... um, well, all things sweet, like I have a really big sweet tooth. So it takes a lot. In general, I don't eat refined sugar. But from time to time when I'm eating dessert, it's not like I go for a healthy dessert or anything. Like I'll have whatever I feel like having. So one thing, a tiramisu. And with that, we come to an end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what sort of topics you want covered in the future episodes by reaching out to us on Instagram. Our handle is at the rate heart on my sleep official. Or you can reach out to me personally. My handle is at the rate mancha for Anand. Next week, we have Samaya Dalme on the show to talk about raising kids that are comfortable in their own skin, parenting in the time of Instagram, and all things health and fitness. So that you don't miss that episode or any future episodes, click on the subscribe button or the bell icon. Till then, stay safe and stay healthy. See you next week. Bye. इस हबहॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया। अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं, तो हबहॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें। यही नहीं, स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी, कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्